1: So this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. And I have uh, Dr. Kari who's a respected practicing pediatrician in Ventura, California. He hosts Dr. Carrie's Baby Care on Caps TV in Ventura. Um, and we're going to be talking about uh, infants and how they sleep and how to make sure that they're getting the proper sleep they need. So, uh, Dr. Cronus, thanks for coming. How are you doing?
2: Very well. Thank you for having me. This is really a wonderful opportunity. I appreciate being able to speak on this important topic.
1: I'm sure everyone hears, you know, everyone talks about the parents and uh, the impact on their sleep. But, you know, obviously the most important impact is on the infant's sleep. So what, um, what got you into noticing or caring about how infants sleep?
2: Well, a lot of
1: it stems from the parents' sleep
2: because the uh, parents are uh, concerned that they're not getting much sleep because they're struggling with how to deal with their child in the middle of the night. And what to do and always feeling the need to attend to them and to fix the problem and really not knowing how to go about that so in essence fixing one problem fixes both you create a situation where the child or the infant is sleeping much better and the parents is sleeping much better and the the goal is for everyone to have a great long-term sleep routine
1: so what are some of the uh the issues that cause infants uh you know to wake up so many times is that just a natural thing and you have to just deal with it or, you know, are there ways to have your infant sleep for longer periods of time?
2: Well, it is a natural thing to a certain extent. No one sleeps all night long. We wake up, we look around, we go back to sleep. The key to understanding this is at what points do we not need to attend to it, to an infant? And at what point do we help them to uh, learn to work it out themselves and to fall into a nice sleep pattern? And the age I really start to push that is at the four month mark. Uh, first off, I don't think parents realize how much sleep a infant really needs at first. I, I tell them that they, the infant sleeps more than their average t- teenager, but you're looking at ideally 14, 15 hours a night and then a few naps during the daytime. So it's really a lot of sleep that children require. And early on, they're feeding every two to three hours during the daytime, and a child can go up to five hours at night if you have an ideal world, they would go to sleep about six thirty seven p m they'd wake up about midnight for a feeding they'd wake up again at three a m for a feeding and then by morning, when the sun comes up they're uh, they're up again for a feeding usually at that point every ninety minutes or so, they naturally want to take another nap so you'll get a few. Naps in during the daytime, and then 24 hours goes by, and you start all over again.
1: Yeah, I've noticed with um, you know my kids when they were younger, you're right, they would you know sleep all the time, take multiple naps, and then when they got to be I think three or four, they would go to like one nap a day, and then I think at like six or seven, then they would stop napping and they would be awake, you know, and just sleep in one slab at night. But it took a while for them to transition through those stages.
2: Certainly, every child is different. I think. Uh, <laughs> my parents have reminded me multiple times that I just did not want to take a nap to no matter what but you know encouraging naps as long as possible is really your your best bet but really it all comes back to setting the stage early on and the stage I like to set that at is at the 4 months mark and and the reason for the 4 month mark is infants have not developed what we call object permanence and by that I mean if you took any object uh, one of their toys uh, rattles or something, and hit it under a blanket, they don't realize where it went. so the infant at four months of age is not going to go reaching underneath that blanket to try to locate that item and if you decide to transition, if you have the opportunity to put them in their own room and you transition them into their own room at four months, when they wake up in the middle of the night. They don't actively stop and say, oh, mom and dad are in the other room. They just don't have that ability. If they see you, they know you, they're all excited to see you. But the moment you disappear from the room, you're gone. And then setting this sleep stage at this point is really your easiest time to transition. Because by, oh, five to seven months of age, that object permanence will kick in. They will know that rattle is under the blanket. They will know you're in the other room. And if you get them used to a good sleep cycle, a good sleeping situation in their own room at that stage, you have a much better chance of keeping that uh, sleep pattern in a good progressive manner long-term. Now, so the question to ask oneself at the four month mark is, do I want my child in my bedroom at two years of age? And if the answer is no, no, then four months is your easiest time to transition them into the other room. Not to say that you can't do it sooner or later, but it's much more difficult. Four months is your best time.
1: Well, what about, um, so do you focus on the four-month plus mark, or do you also help parents that are having problems in the first four months where there are no real great strategies for that? For the first four months,
2: my recommendation is generally to calm your child, attend to your child's needs and don't let a child fuss or cry for a long period of time. You really want to. (laughs) For me, for the first four months, the child is in complete control. If they are fussy or hungry or whatever, you attend to them. Uh, Trying to keep feedings at least two hours apart and holding and comforting, but not worrying so much about setting a a pattern of having them sleep a long period of time. If they need your attention, you attend to it. If they don't, you let them lie calmly. It's really at the four month mark that I start to work on setting that pattern that should feed long term again if they have if the child has their own room to be put into four months is the best time uh, it's the easiest time I should say i I discourage monitors if a baby is fussing at four months there's really no reason to go rushing into the room if they're screaming their head off it's good to go in and just Make sure things are okay. Is your child jammed up against something? Is something wrong? Does the diaper need uh, changing? Is there something that needs to be attended to? And if everything is okay, it's really okay to, you know, give your child a few pats and and leave the room. At that point, it's really up to the parents' discretion. Feeding should not be an option after four months of age. It's really the time to stop nighttime feeding, and I really discourage mom from being the pacifier. and And if they're screaming, there are multiple methods. Some say simply leave them alone if everything is fine and things look good, let them cry and just walk away. Others will feel the need to, they just can't do that. So they will feel the need to want to calm their child. Ideally, they should not pick up their child at that point. And if they do, feeding should simply be off limits and bringing them back into your own room should be off limits too. So choosing the strategy for calming is really up to the parents in my mind but not feeding them and not bringing them back into the parents' room is really what I'm after starting at four months.
1: Well, when you say feeding them, uh, if you have a breastfed baby versus a formula fed, is there a big difference? Because I would think breastfeeding would go through their digestive system a lot faster and they would need to eat more frequently, regardless of their age. At four months, they really don't need to be
2: eating in the middle of the night, whether breastfed or bottle fed. About the only difference that, uh, I address is in the middle of the night. Mom might want to pump once or twice to maintain milk supply, so she can breastfeed long term. And not every mom is going to dry out uh, because they're not breastfeeding in the middle of the night, but it certainly is a possibility. And and the way to help reduce that chance is to simply uh, pump in the middle of the night.
1: Right. What does through the night mean? Does through the night mean that you know five hours for? You know, kid of that age, that's through the night, or is it eight, or is it longer? The, long? It's
2: it's longer. I mean, you're still going to put your child to sleep at about the same time, which is about seven o'clock, ideally, and that can vary from family to family um, and the situation, but typically seven o'clock, and then that will be up until five or six in the morning, and again, no one sleeps all night long, so I do expect that child to wake up periodically, look around, maybe make some noises, and then and then ideally soothe him or herself. Because what you really want is a child who learns to soothe themselves, puts themselves back to sleep when they wake up, and not, not rely on food or outside stimuli to put themselves back to sleep. So the goal is to eventually have a child who is older who's good at getting themselves to sleep, and the time to start working on that is the four-month mark. So a four-month-old can go... 10 to 12 hours without food? Or longer, yes. Simply. There's no reason why one needs to eat, just like an adult. If you have your last meal at night, you really don't need to be eating until uh, the sun comes up. That's not to say they wouldn't eat if you feed them. I think all of us would have a bite to eat if we woke them up and tried to feed them in the middle of the night. But from a physiologic standpoint, there really is no reason why they need food in the middle of the night, and the longer you wait to stop that nighttime feeding, the harder it will be to accomplish that. And then we run into further problems besides sleep issues. You can, as the teeth start coming in and food is against the teeth, you're going to to lead to cavity issues and a whole bunch of other things that we'd like to avoid. So so the goal is to set the stage
1: long before that becomes an issue. So what is the goal and what capacity does it take A whole month or multiple months to um, you know to get a kid to self-soothe and go through the night without feeding, or or what does this process look like? At four months, it's actually
2: much easier than parents think. I think they often get anxious about the prospect of it and and hold off trying to do this because they think it's going to be a difficult task. But then when they actually go ahead and do it, the uh, parents, at least in my office, who come in and are about setting a stage at four months of age, are surprised at how simple it was to get their child to sleep all night long. And they're usually the ones who are bragging to their friends at a year of age when their child is sleeping wonderfully and the other parents are struggling to try to set a routine with them at a time which is much more difficult than had they done it previously. So rarely do I have a parent who has difficulty with setting sleeping stage at four months of age as long as they stick with it. Now, having said that, there are times when parents want to go backwards, and I really try to discourage them. It's natural when a child is sick. For instance, you have a child who the parent has done a wonderful job setting a limit, getting their child to sleep through the night, starting at four months of age. They're not feeding them. They're not going in. They're really happy with how their child is sleeping. And then at six or seven months of age, their child gets a cold, or they go on vacation somewhere, or something happens where the sleep is disrupted. And the parents first instinct is to want to bring the child into their own room or have them sleep with them. And now they've created a problem because they've now created a new expectation that the child tries to hold on to. And it becomes very difficult to go back to a good sleeping arrangement. So I really try to get parents to stick with the routine despite what the situation is whenever possible. And if they have to deviate from that routine because they're on vacation and they don't have a separate place for the child or whatever, the moment they are back in a stable situation is to simply go back to that routine and just deal with the fact that it might be a little difficult for a few days until we get back to where we were again. Do
1: you have um, any significant amount of parents that don't have their child sleep in a crib but sleep in the bed with them for the first four months? I do
2: have quite a few parents who do that. It is certainly discouraged by the American Academy of Pediatrics because you have a higher chance of a child being on their belly and suffocating or being rolled on or being injured. I'm also aware that it's very cultural, so some cultures are much more likely to want to co-sleep than others. Will I go out of my way to make clear what the risks are, I also make clear that regardless of what their sleeping situation is, they really should transition their child to their own bed or their own room at four months of age. And to elaborate on that, there are many situations where parents simply don't have a a separate room for their child at four months of age. That's just not an option. They have a one-bedroom place and they have a They have the ability to put a crib in the corner or some other place. And it's at the four-month mark that no matter where they're sleeping, I really encourage them to at least put them in their own bed and not go attempt to them and and try to uh, calm them uh, if possible in the middle of the night and also not feed them in the middle of the night. So while at four months, they may not have the luxury of putting their child in their own bedroom, they can at least not... Have the child in their own bed and have them in their own crib so we can establish a good sleeping habit because, because otherwise they're back at the situation of, do you want your child in your bed at two years of age? And if that answer
1: is no, then four months is still your easiest time to make
2: that transition.
1: Yeah. What's the leeway on that? So is five months getting a lot harder and six months or a year? Or how
2: long of a window? Well, is the window is when object permanence kicks in, and that can be anywhere from, oh, four and a half to six and a half months, typically. It varies from child to child. So that's that's really the barrier that one is fronting. And because parents are reluctant to want to put their child in their own bed or own room, or some, some parents are uh, trying to get that to happen as early as possible, makes the likelihood of it happening much higher. So four months again, since they don't need to be eating in the middle of the night, and object permanence hasn't kicked in, is just a convenient time to make that transition.
1: Are there any other developmental cues that you know either help the process or make it more difficult? I'm not sure developmental cues per
2: se would uh, help or make it more difficult, but certainly a child who tends to be a little more fussy and uh, cries a little bit more and needs a little more calming can become more of a challenge for a parent. But I think that when you have that kind of situation, you have to also take a look at the bigger picture and ask yourself, is my child really getting 13, 14, 15 hours of sleep a night? Are they taking three naps during the day? Are they getting two to three hours of sleep during the day plus that sleep at night? And make sure that total uh, sleep hygiene, for lack of a better term, is sufficient. It's usually the child who isn't getting enough sleep during the daytime and night combined that tends to be a little bit more fussy and irritable. That's not to say that you can't have medical issues that can make it challenging. You could have a child who has reflux uh, that's rather painful and that the underlying condition may need to be addressed, or you might have some medical issues with the child that one needs to attend to. So Every child is different, and you have to take it into context. But the general rule
1: is to set that stage at four months. Any other modulators you see on the ability for a child to sleep through the night, or ability to not feed during the night? Mm-hmm. Any dietary interventions or other items that really uh, make it more difficult or easier to do?
2: Uh, no, not only are there really no other things that will make it easier or more difficult, but uh, oftentimes one will start. Rice cereal or other items at four months of life and feeding a child prior to going to sleep will not prolong sleep or make them more comfortable. So it really doesn't matter when one introduces uh, rice cereal. We typically start other foods at six months of age, uh, give or take. And that in itself isn't going to change the sleep habits either. So really, none of these have a great influence. It's really a matter of a a quiet environment that's at a reasonable temperature, make sure that the child is comfortable on a firm uh, mattress. At that age, pillows and blankets really don't have much role. There's really no reason for a stuffed animal or a toy in the bed with them at that point. Usually putting them in a onesie and another layer is sufficient. The general rule of thumb is if you need two layers to stay warm, your child should have three. If you need one layer, your child needs two. And just making sure that the environment is comfortable, and then uh, letting them work it work it out. Now, if a child is really fighting sleep and having difficulty falling asleep, odds are they're overtired. And then the next night, you really should consider putting them to bed a little bit earlier because you probably waited a little longer than you should have. And when we get overly tired, we tend to fight sleep.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. I know I do. And, uh, my kids are older, but they still fight sleep all the time. So yeah, uh, definitely.
2: <laughs> also on the over the course of the next 18 months you know from birth to, from 4 months till 2 years of age they will try to go backwards usually uh 2 to 4 times uh during that period of time meaning that they will try to push the limits and stay up and cry a little bit more and be a little more fussy and the temptation is to give in and to feed them or bring them into your own room. And it's really important during those times to be consistent. Don't feed them in the middle of the night. Don't bring them into your room in the middle of the night. And if you're consistent and you give it a few days, they will go back to the kind of sleep pattern that you're really after. So it's usually an incidence of them, like I said, prior being sick, or you traveling somewhere, or them just sort of pushing limits, or being overtired that makes us want to go backwards. And when, when those situations arise, it's really important to just be consistent and learn to calm them in their own bed and let them get back to sleep. And you will find that almost always they will go back into a nice sleeping pattern and life is much easier for everyone.
1: Gotcha. Well, very good. So what do you see as the, uh, the future of your work? What, where you want to take it now? Or is it just, you just want to help as many people yeah. as you can with this protocol?
2: Yes. Well, I, a lot of my focus is on my Dr. Carey's baby care. Our Facebook page has, I think, over 650,000 followers and growing. The Dr. dot com website is uh the basics is laid out and we're starting to put more articles on that will flush out a complete uh book for expectant parents and so that's the direction we're moving with uh, with the work of Dr. Carey's specifically. So it's not just sleep, but covering a whole bunch of other baby issues that that are important during the first year of life and eventually the first five years of life is where we plan on taking this.
1: Well, very good. And what's the best way for people to get in touch and to learn
2: more? They can go to our website, Dr. Carey's, dot com, or they can find us on Facebook at Dr. Carrie's Baby Care, and that's D-R-C-A-R-E-Y-S Baby Care on Facebook, and uh, they're welcome to send us notes through Messenger on that platform if they wish, or contact us however they want. We try to make it convenient for them.
1: Okay, very good. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast.
2: No, thank you very much. It was really, it's nice to talk about this subject. The uh, uh, more parents can get their Child to sleep well,
0: the happier everyone is. I think. Excellent. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death Thank you.